thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And our beautiful Kimmy, the tart, she's in <laughs> Dubai right now. And uh, yes, so it's you and me, Cindy, and our gorgeous guest today, the amazing Rhonda Nelson. Now, I am looking at her profile here because she actually lives in the United States. So I'm looking at this profile and matching the most gorgeous voice to this face. And I can totally see why, Cindy, you have another, yet another girl crush. Mm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, I met Rhonda uh, via going to her lecture. She did a whole day at uh, Wise Traditions in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, Minnesota. And that was um, just last month or the month before. I can't even remember. I've been to the States that many times. But I had a choice between four people to go and listen to. Uh, One was Rhonda. One was Natasha um, Campbell McBride, who I absolutely love. I'm one of her GAPS practitioners. Another one was this gentleman who spoke about um, regenerative agriculture with chickens, And I really wanted to listen to him, but I also noted that he had a really good video um, online, so I decided against that. And I can't remember the fourth person, but Rhonda just, her topic really interests me. So I decided to miss my beautiful Natasha, um, who who, um, I just adore, and and ended up with Rhonda. And I couldn't leave Rhonda's the whole day, so she did three parts. But let let me tell you about Rhonda, because I think it's important you know who she is, and then we'll really get into the nitty-gritty, won't we, Karen? So uh, Ron, it, it's Dr. Rhonda Nelson, by the way, holds a PhD in holistic nutrition, along with a master's degree in herbal medicine. Her passion lies in helping others regain their health through dietary modifications and herbal and nutritional support. Dr. Nelson enjoys working with difficult digestive and endocrine-related cases. This is why you need to be here, Karen. helping men and women reach their health potential as quickly as possible. She recently transitioned to a virtual-only practice, which allows her to work from her Seattle home. Dr. Nelson has gained the respect of patients and doctors alike, providing relevant clinical information both online and at her sold-out educational seminars across the country. Welcome, Rhonda. Well, thank you. That was so nice. I'm over here with a big smile on my face. I think you guys are like, you know, both girl crushing. This is quite flattering. (laughs) Well, it must feel good to know that you have so many fans out there. Well, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I think I've built um, up a group of, I call them stalkers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can call us that, Rhonda. Yeah, we just kind of follow me around and they just sort of do that. But, you know, I guess that means that they're interested and that's what's important, right? If you're interested, then you're learning. So I guess that's the end of the game. So it's all good. And you know what else? Oh, sorry, Karen. No, go, Cindy, go, go. What I was going to say to Rhonda is um, when somebody appeals to you, like my father always says, I like that man he thinks like I do. And it, it wasn't only that. You know, I was not only on par with what you were saying, 
Um, and there wasn't a lot that I don't think there was anything that you said that I thought, oh, I don't know about that. It was, you know, it was all there. So it, there's that. But you were also so much fun on stage. You entertained, you gave us amazing amounts of information and but you did it in an entertaining way, which means that you keep everybody on uh, you know, focused and ready to learn more. So I want to thank you for that. And I don't, I don't know how long you've been teaching. And, and I guess what I want to know, Rhonda, is how did you get into this? What started you on this amazing path? Well, that's a, a bit of a story. And I'll kind of, I'll give you the Reader's Digest shortened version as much as I can. But my, um, I grew up in a home that um, didn't we had no understanding in my home about healthy eating, you know, good food choices. Our our idea of a great breakfast was cold cereal, you know, refined cereal with, um, you know, probably non-fat milk and and then donuts. Like we ate a lot of donuts and we ate a lot of macaroni and cheese from the box and we ate a lot of really really processed food, just not knowing. So. My health growing up wasn't great. My weight was never really great. I was a little bit of a chubby kid, and uh, got a, got married. Um, had a my first child when I was twenty, and I weighed about two hundred pounds when I delivered her. So I was significantly overweight, and of course, labor delivery didn't go real well. And she was super colicky, and you know. But I'm continuing to eat the way the only way that I know to eat, and I really didn't have anyone in my life to instruct me otherwise. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so you keep doing what you do know because you don't know that there's something else you should know. So I just keep kind of going along doing my thing. And I've got these kid, this daughter who's sickly and she's just not well. And, and, you know, about eight months later, I get pregnant again, which is not great for women's bodies. We need to let there be about a two to three year window between pregnancies. So I'm eight months in and I get pregnant again, got another little one. And we start in with ear infections and antibiotics round after round after round after round after round for two years. We did that. And fast forward, my oldest daughter was 10 years old. Um, she was diagnosed with a terminal bone cancer. Mm. And at that time, I was in accounting. So I was doing a lot of business accounting for small businesses, you know, real cerebral kind of left brain activity. And when you have a, a situation, a life situation that happens like that, it kind of turns you on your ear. You know, it just takes, you just turned upside down. Like, what, what do I do now? Like, cancer is not supposed to happen to anybody but an old person. Like grandmas and grandpas should get cancer, but not 10-year-old child. Something's really wrong with this. So I set about to figure out why. And it didn't take me long. Within a year or so, I really I realized exactly what had happened, why it happened, and how I needed to fix it. So they the prognosis was very poor. Um, at that time, it was a less than 10% chance of survival. And I just, I said, no, I'm not, my child's not going to die. This is not going to work for me. Like uh, there's a lot of things in life I can tolerate and this losing a child is not one of them. So I just contended for her health and I did everything that I knew to do. And um, she today is 35 years old and has four children. Oh. So we we made it through that really really bumpy time but there is probably of all of the life events that i've i've had 
I think that's the one I'm the most grateful for because that experience is what brought me into this place of being passionate and always, always learning, learning, learning more and more and more about health and nutrition and herbal medicine and, and how the food that we eat affects our bodies and, and how we have to care for them. And when they get broken, what does that mean? And what nutrients might be missing? And, and, and taking a look at the whole big picture rather than just saying, oh, you have cancer, well, you need chemotherapy or, oh, you have you know, a headache, you need an ibuprofen. So that's the Western way of looking at it, that conventional medicine. And I, I really just was able to kind of, I think, I don't know, maybe intuitively, I just sort of broke out of that and ended up finding my way in the alternative field. And, and I'm grateful every day, not only for her and for her life and for these wonderful, beautiful grandchildren, but for the gift that, that she gave me. And then subsequently, I'm able to give to thousands of other people not only patients, but practitioners, because I'm able to share with them my own experience and my journey through the process. Oh, that's just amazing, Rhonda. I don't, I don't know if you told that story or um, whether you told a very small version of it. I, I do believe you said something about your daughter being sick and then, you know, she's now 35, but I didn't realize it was bone cancer. And that's, that's a scary thing. I, like, how did you have the guts? So there's a lot of people out there that, um, would be in that situation, um, and they 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 wouldn't have that, I guess, that ability, that that gumption, that um, not being frightened of going out on a limb and looking elsewhere, as opposed to the medical model. So, you know, what did you go through the medical model for a small amount of time, or did you just go, no, I'm walking away. We're going to do this ourselves. Well, you know, that's a really good question. And I think it's one that we, we sometimes want to be a little bit uh, or more altruistic. You know, when, you, when you're impassioned about something, sometimes all we see is through the lens of our passion and we miss the opportunity to incorporate other things. So at the time, you know, I, my personality is if you turn a light bulb on for me, I'm going to go until I either pass out, run out of gas, die, fall over something. I like, I'm like a dog on a bone. I don't let go. And I keep, keep, keep on it. And so when I realized that there was this link between, I knew what had happened and there was this link between, I could see it really clearly between my diet while I was carrying her and even before that, right, that pre-gestational period, but I saw that link between my own diet and then the health of my child and my the subsequent children. And so I thought, okay, it's got to be with food. So I said to my husband, okay, look, we are not doing chemo. We are not doing any of that. We are going to fix this naturally. We're going to go, we're going to do everything we can do. Now, I don't know anything at this point. I know nothing. I know nothing, but I think I know a lot because my eyes have been opened in this whole new world. And it seems like, oh, oh my gosh, there's so much great information. And looking back, I, that was like one one thousandth of what I know now. And what I know now is one one thousandth of what I'm going to know in five years. You know, it's just such a prog progression. So I said, that's it. We're not doing any chemotherapy. And the wisest words he ever said to me were this. He said, I will not allow you to take on that responsibility. 
Because if something happens to her, then you live with the guilt of that your entire life. Wow. And he said, so I am going to say that we're going to do chemotherapy and you can do whatever else you want to do to complement that. But he said, I don't want you to be a ruined woman and, and a ruined mother because you think you killed your child. I said, I'd rather, if that happens, then I'd rather it be at the hands of the medical profession rather than on you. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was a hard thing to hear, but he was right. So we did chemotherapy, which just about killed her. But at the same time, I, the only thing, there were two things at that time that I knew to do. And it's so funny. I say it now and I'm like, oh, geez, I can't believe I thought I was so smart at the time. But the two things that I knew to do was A, carrot juice, because everybody back in the 90s was healing everything, you know, from hemorrhoids to headaches with carrot juice. And so I knew to do carrot juice. And the other thing I knew to do was shark cartilage. And I don't know how it was in Australia, but in the U.S., that was kind of the in vogue, you know, cancer treatment at the time. So that was what we did. And they used to laugh at me at the hospital in the oncology unit and say, oh, here comes that crazy mother with her carrot juicer, with her juicer and her bag of carrots. And she would be so sick. Sometimes I would just have to put the carrot juice down her throat with like a little eyedropper because she couldn't swallow. But I was determined and I was going to get that carrot juice in her. And so I think it really, in great question, but it really, I believe it was a combination of both. And I think that wisdom dictates that we have to evaluate each situation individually. It's not always going to be something that's fixable in a purely holistic or alternative way. Sometimes we need to make that blending of Western medicine or conventional medicine with alternatives because in my case, it saved her life. I don't think I could have saved her without it. So I'm, I'm thankful that we did what we did, but it was a hard decision at the time. I bet it was. Um, I just, I don't know what I'd do in that position um, because in Australia at the moment, you might like to know, Rhonda, is that if the child um, is under a certain age, and I don't remember the exact year, it could be 16 or 18, um, the state has the say in what treatment that child will have and they will take that child away from you if they believe you are doing the wrong thing. So that's, oh. yeah, that's what's happening in Australia at the moment. I, I know of several mothers that have had their children taken away from them because they've gone on a whole food diet and cannabis, say, for seizures, and the child has um, been taken away from them because the, the state doesn't believe what they're doing. Yeah. It's- oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm so thankful that it happened when it did. You know, this was 25 years ago, and it, we're, I'm just so different now. You know, my approach is just so different now. So it was such a great experience for me. It was just a, it was this, it was really a life-changing experience. And I, I would not trade it. I wouldn't want to do it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was great. It was really a very, very worth it. Mm. You know, I, I think it's profound how, and, and I know that this is probably going to be a little bit deep, but I think it, it always strikes me as profound, not bizarre, it used to be bizarre, but now it's more profound that, I, that there are certain people on this planet that go through these enormous epiphanies and these exceptional experiences that force them to fulfill their life's purpose. And, you know, while I wish there was a way that we could have clarity on our life's purpose without the trauma, I think sometimes because of the very nature of being human, we don't actually learn 
until we learn through contrast. We don't actually discover what we want until we desperately experience what we don't want. And for I, yourself and for your daughter, I just, I, 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 it's, it feels really humbling and it feels really, um, like I say, the only word that I can come up with actually is profound, that here you are doing your life's work, making a difference in the lives of tens of thousands of people across the globe, which potentially could have always been the reason that you've been put here. Um, and then to experience what you did with your daughter was just more confirmation that actually, you know, follow, follow that vision, follow those breadcrumbs and, and the world will be a better place because of you. Well, if it, if it hadn't happened, that's why I really am so grateful. And I, I agree with you. It's out of that crisis that mm. you, you find your purpose. You know, the crisis drives the purpose. And we think that it's, you know, we think it's the other way around. We're going to choose our purpose or we're going to choose, well, I thought I was going to do accounting and that was all fine. But mm. now there was something different. And I really am very grateful um, for the whole the whole process, but you're right. The crisis the, the crisis drove the purpose. So, yeah, I can't look back now. But boy, I, sometimes I do wish I could eat a few more donuts. <laughs> that would be that would be really nice. But I can't, so I got to get over that. Uh, Welcome to the club. Welcome yeah, to yeah the right. Club. <laughs> you know, I I have a, a a lovely association with donuts. My aunt Mary. Um, who was 18, came from America to Australia to uh, live with us. And every Friday she would make cinnamon donuts for our family. And so my association with donuts is that beautiful time of my Aunt Mary making them from scratch, putting them in, you know, putting it in the oil. I don't even know what fat we used back then. That was, you know, a long time ago. So that was probably 40, 50 years ago that she did that. So, yeah, I got you there, Rhonda. I, I yeah. did the same thing, but I want my Aunt Mary's donuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you've been studying this um, for quite some time, nutrition and herbal medicine, and that's what I loved. I loved that you really recommended herbs in your healing. That was one of your biggest things was recommending herbs. And... In actual fact, what I, what I was blown away by is that you recommended an Australian herb company, which we don't need to talk about, but I was just blown away by that. And I didn't even know of them until I spoke to you. And um, the sad thing is, is that you've been out to Australia and you've spoken for this company many times and I hadn't even um, realised that you, otherwise I would have been there. I would have been there in a flash, Rhonda. See, you're a stalker already. <laughs> I see, I told you. <laughs> So what I want to know is from healing your daughter and learning everything about your daughter, what made you go from accounting to then saying, I need to get this message out here. I need to help other people. There's more to this. What, where did you go from there? Well, once I, I realized that I was, I was, this was a whole new world. You know, it's like if you always breathe air and then the first time you put on a, a mask and a snorkel and you put your face in the water and you see that there's a whole nother world down there that's beautiful and wonderful. And, and I knew that I had kind of seen the light, so to speak. I mean, I had seen this whole other world. And so I decided that I would go back and get my master's degree in herbology. So I did that and it was fine and it kind of opened the door. 
Um, and then I went back and I um, did some naturopathic studies and completed that. And then I went back and got, you know, more training in herbology. And I just, it's really just kind of been an evolutionary process for me. You know, one thing led to the next to the next. And I, I just kind of followed the area that I was most interested in. And I found that the thing that fascinated me more than anything, because diet and, and lifestyle and, you know, sleep and all those things are always so foundational. Like you just, you can't have a conversation with a patient without addressing all of that. We sometimes think, or the patient anyway, thinks, oh, I'm just going to take a multivitamin and I'll be good to go. And it's 1,000 times more than that. But that's a good start. But there's so much more to it. So what I did find, though, that I was very, very drawn to this field of endocrinology because I, I learned early on that hormones are really the boss. They boss everybody around. And when they're being bad, when they're misbehaving, then we boss everybody around and we're cranky and we're irritable and we're hard to get along with and, or we're crying or whatever. Something's wrong. The hormones were, were the thing that were, they're, they're the bosses. They, they're the messengers to tell everybody what to do. And I kind of like to tell people what to do. So I think I probably found a, a, a familiar, you know, thing inside the body. I said, I got to understand how this endocrine system works. And so when I started to really get into that, it's, it, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with cancer per se, but um, I, I started to do that. I went into open my own practice and, and I just found that people came in and everyone had an endocrine problem. And I thought, well, is this because I'm looking through the lens of, you know, if you think everything is a, is a, uh, you know, a nail then, and I'm a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail, right? So I'm thinking, well, does everyone have an endocrine problem just because I'm expecting them to? But I found out that really, indeed, most of our, somewhere in that endocrine system, it's really messed up. And so I found great joy in helping people get their energy back and get their thyroid fixed and get their sex hormones fixed and, you know, get digestion working because there's hormones involved in digestion and there's hormones in the liver and there's hormones in the pancreas, there's hormones in the heart, there's hormones all over the body. And so I, I just found that I loved that, that aspect of human health. So that's just sort of where I, I kind of rattled myself a little hole. And um, as I got better and better at what I you know, I kind of perfected a system and a, not a system, but just kind of a way of thinking, I guess, inside my own practice that I got asked to go share, how do I do what I do with such success? How do I do that? And so then I started teaching other practitioners. So now I'm on the road um, anywhere from 20 to 30 weekends a year. It's averages about 25 weekends a year. Um, all over the United States, mostly. And um, I teach other practitioners kind of how to do what I do and how to think of the body the way that I think about it. And I love, that's my favorite thing to do is to teach. I love it. So that's, that's how I kind of made myself a little, a little spot here. That's why I love those, that, the thyroid especially. I love it. Mm. Can you explain to our listeners um, what the endocrine system is and, and the organs that are involved in it and the hormones? I know there's probably more hormones than you need to say, but just the major players so that they understand um, what that endocrine system is. Yeah, so the word um, endocrine or the endocrine system is just basically a system of glands in the body and they're throughout the body. 
um, they're a system of glands and they're unique because what these glands do is they make their hormones and they release them directly into the bloodstream. So um, one of the hormone glands that people think about are, are the sex hormones. So we might think in a woman, we would think of estrogen and progesterone. So those are a woman's two predominant hormones. And those hormones are produced by her ovaries when she's during in her reproductive years. And those hormones, when the, when the ovary produces the hormone, it basically squirts it right into the bloodstream. It just goes straight into the bloodstream. Once it's in the bloodstream, it gets handcuffed or bound to a protein, and that protein is like a car, and the hormone is like the person in the car, and the, the, the hormone or the protein is like the seatbelt that holds them in the car. So it, the, the, the binding protein is like the car, in it, and the hormone sits in the car, and then the car takes it wherever it needs to go in the body. So for a woman, we have estrogen and progesterone, and they come from the ovaries. The analogous endocrine gland in a man would be the testes and that's predominantly going to produce testosterone. Women have some testosterone too, but not very much. Just like men have estrogen, they produce it, but not very much. So it's just flip-flopped. Um, another key gland that most everyone knows about, and that is the adrenal glands. And those produce two hormones that are both very important. One is cortisol. Cortisol helps you manage blood sugar. It helps you have lots of good energy during the day. It allows you to go to sleep at night and sleep well. And then the other hormone that everyone has experienced, and that's that hormone adrenaline. So that's that fight or flight hormone. Um, the thyroid produces hormones. So we produce what T4 and T3. Those are the two thyroid hormones. And things, hormones like insulin is a hormone from the pancreas. Those are, that's a gland. And like melatonin from the pineal gland in the brain. So they're just hormones that most people know, but they're kind of smattered throughout the body in these, these glands. So they've released their, their, their secretions, their hormones directly into the bloodstream where they get handcuffed or seat belted into a car, and then the car takes them wherever they need to go. It's an amazing system. So when we interrupt that system, and let's, let's just take probably the, hmm, there's lots of interruptions that probably happen before the um, reproductive years, but let's talk about uh, like the pill and things that stop us having babies. How does that affect the whole system? So the, there's a gland in your brain that's called the pituitary gland. And that little gland in the brain is the it's called the kind of it's like the master gland so if you think of the pituitary as like um air traffic control at an airport there's lots of planes and lots of people and ground crew and everybody's got their jobs and they're all making sure that no one's crashing everybody's planes are safe people are getting off you know the jetway comes to the edge of the plane the door of the plane everything's worked smoothly and all of that happens because the air traffic control people are way up high and they're looking down and they can see the whole operation so the pituitary gland is that gland in the brain that's like air traffic control. It's watching everyone and it's making sure, okay, you stop, no more, plane. that plane can't move, this one needs to move, okay, you're gonna wait, you're gonna hold there, runway not, I mean, just coordinating all of that. So when we interrupt or um, interfere with the ability of that pituitary to see what's going on on the ground, 
in other words, out in the body, that causes the pituitary to get confused. So it would be as it would be if the uh, air traffic control are looking out their window up in the big tall tower. They're looking out the window, but we we took black paint and we painted over a huge section of one of the windows. The air traffic control people can't see what's going on. They're missing that information. They're they're not able to take it in visually. When we go on, let's just use birth control as the example that you brought. What that's like painting black paint on the window. Air traffic control, the pituitary can't see it because the paint, the pharmaceutical intervention, the hormone intervention goes against what needs to happen in order for that pituitary to maintain optimal health. And so the dysfunction, you know, they, the air traffic control might kind of peek around the black part or ask his buddy down the road, hey, down the road, hey, what's going on over there? Can you see in there? But do you see the communication starts getting distorted? It's not a direct communication. It now becomes indirect. And over time, the pituitary loses that part of the vision. And then that part of the airport can become dysfunctional. Hmm. Might be a crash over there, you know, some bags are falling off some cart. And it's the same thing with our hormones. The ovaries can become dysfunctional. Not to mention that on a real practical level that birth control pills are notorious for nutrient depletion in the body. So we not only interrupt the pituitary and its ability to kind of manage the ground crew, but we also deplete nutrients and it changes personality. And, you know, we, you mess with these hormones and all of a sudden we've changed who we're supposed to be and, and who we're made to be. There's a great book out. Um, it's called The Pill. Um, the author's last name is Pope. Alexander. Alexandra Pope, yeah, and she writes about how with birth control pills, how women's personalities actually change. They completely change. And isn't there something that she says in there about choice of partners changes as well? If you're when you're on the pill versus not, can you can you remember that? Is that yes? Yeah. So what they did, and this is um, a fascinating study. They, they, it's, a, it's a famous study by um, a, a woman named Diane Dodds. And what she did was she used fruit flies. I can't imagine being a fruit fly. <laughs> like, really? Who gets paid to do that? I don't know. But anyway, that's her gig. So she did this research with these fruit flies. And what she, what she found was that with the fruit flies, that when, they, when she changed their microbiome, in other words, she changed the, um, the way that the microbes in the gut were in existence or relationship with one another, that it changed the pheromones that the flies ex- you know, released, which affected their choice of a mate. And I'm taking a big experiment and condensing it. So the researcher said, oh, that can't be. There's no way. There's no way. That's craziness. It's heresy. No. We're going to see if we can repeat this in people. So what they did was they took college students. They had these men, young college students. They weren't allowed to have anything with any kind of fragrance. No, no scented soaps, no deodorant. Um, nothing that would alter their, their, the normal smell of their skin. And they put t-shirts on them for two days. And then they had, they had the t-shirts. They could only take it off to take a shower, but they had to put it back on, sleep in it and everything. They put the t-shirts in boxes and they numbered the boxes and they had women come by and they reached in to smell the shirt. 
And the women had to just say, well, I want, like, I would marry box A. <laughs> I would, I like the smell of that dude in box A, but I don't like box D or E. They stink to me. But then some other girl would smell box D and E and she'd go, oh, it's the best smell ever. I want to marry that guy. So what they started to do was look at what were the similarities. And one of the things they found was that the woman who wanted the guy in box A, when they put her on birth control, she didn't want box A anymore. She wanted box D or E or R or whatever. Wow. Birth control altered the microbiome or the body chemistry so much that she really did not choose the mate that she her she biologically should have chosen because of the alteration in the hormone. And I think when Alexander wrote that, they were thinking about the hormone change, but the newer research is showing that they believe that it's coming from the mi microbiome, the change in the gut bacteria. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, you're not kidding. I, di I didn't realize that it was coming from the microbiome. It, it just seems there's so much research now on what's happening with the microbiome in every way from, you know, anxiety to depression and now mate picking. That mm -hmm. is just um, phenomenal. Yeah. 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 That makes it, it makes a real um, case for when the honeymoon's over. Right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, I you know, you reading that years ago. Yeah. Years and years and years ago, I remember reading something like that about it changing the pheromones. Um, yeah. And it made me look, because I started on the pill when I was 16, and I think I didn't get off it until I was about 30. Um, and it made me take a really good look at my partner choice, and I thought, oh, damn, I really got it wrong. That, yeah. explains, that explains everything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my question to you, Rhonda, with this, and, and it's, you know, and just looking at the pill as one form that interrupts those uh you, you know the, the the perfect functioning of, of the hormones that regulates the system you know i'd say probably 80 percent of girls have been on the pill at some point in their life so what we're talking about here and it's just the pill i mean not to mention anything else we've done to ourselves but just looking at it from the, the pills perspective it's prolific the effect that that would have had on us what is the, the ability for the body to repair itself from this great onslaught, depending on how many years that a person's been on the pill or, you know, affected themselves? Because there's also, you know, those implants, the implanon, um, there's also the morena. So there's all these other alternatives that have come up over the years to support women in birth control. Are they just as damaging? And is there a way through to the other side of, of repair? You know, the body is amazing because it always is seeking to repair and heal. And that's what is so fascinating is it, it, it's always trying to heal, repair, and undo the damage. So absolutely, yes. Once a woman is off of the birth control and the underlying issue is addressed. So Maybe she just went on birth control because she needed to have that, you know, reassurance that, that she wasn't going to get pregnant while being sexually active. But maybe a woman went on birth control because she had heavy periods, or maybe she went on birth control because she had horrible cramping or something like that. 
when you pull a woman off of birth control, it's really important to address the foundational or the underlying cause in a, in the case of a functional disorder, like I mentioned with you know, cramping or heavy bleeding or maybe endometriosis or PCOS or something like that. So it's really important to address that as well. But yes, the body can actually heal because when you pull out the birth control and you start supporting, again, we're going to wipe that black paint off the window. And then the pituitary, right? The air traffic control goes, oh, what? There's light coming in there. I can't even remember the last time I saw out that particular window and saw that direction at the airport. And it takes the pituitary a little while to kind of reorient itself to the new input that's coming in that used to be there when the window was clear, but the window's been all black. Now the pituitary, it just takes time. So women that get off of birth control then what you can do is to start to stimulate, support, and nourish the pituitary because we need, remember the pituitary is controlling the show. So it's, it's directing traffic. So we need to make sure that the pituitary is working. When that starts to work, that better, then the ovaries will start to respond again because it's kind of like we put a wet blanket on them. We basically want you not to do what they're intended to do. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, forgive me. That was my mistake. Um, how would you suggest that somebody goes about nurturing and, and repairing the pituitary gland if they've been on some kind of contraceptive for 15, 20, 30 years? Well, my favorite herb for repairing and restoring and supporting, and it's not exclusive to the pituitary gland, but it has a very strong influence on the pituitary gland, and that is the beautiful herb we know is chase tree. Uh And chase tree is absolutely, it is the herb for female reproduction, meaning woman in her reproductive years. So from menses, the onset of menses, whenever that happens, you know, between 10 and 12-ish, all the way through until she is fully into menopause, chase tree is the herb of choice. However, it is contraindicated when a woman is on birth control because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be counterintuitive. And so it, a woman that takes chase tree, for instance, she may, at, while she's on birth control, she may end up getting pregnant, which is a bad idea, right? That's why she's taking birth control. So chase tree, you don't want to take it while a woman is on birth control, but once she's off, Boy, that's the first tablet that I'm going to I'm going to throw at them is chase tree because it supports not only the pituitary but it helps with that luteal phase progesterone and for your listeners that means in the second half of the menstrual cycle um that's when the progesterone needs to be at its peak and that helps to minimize the unpleasant symptoms that we may associate with, you know, a difficult menstrual cycle like cramping or heavy bleeding or PMS, you know, the emotional, I, I want a divorce for five days. And as soon as I start my period, I love you and want to have sex. Like <laughs> that kind of craziness that goes on. So chase tree is the herb to do that. And, but you need to get a therapeutically potent chase tree. And that's why I love the, that's why I use the company um, in Australia because they're the only ones in the world that have a really good quality chase tree. And you guys are lucky because you can get them there. 
and they're in Queensland. That's what blows me away. I, as soon as I got home, I looked them up and looked up when their uh, next uh, conference was. And yeah, so um, we'll, maybe we'll get a spokesman from that person, that, that company, and see if they'll talk to us about how they started, great- why they do it. Mm. Yeah. So the ch- chase tree is, is wonderful. It's an absolutely great herb. And there's a number of other herbs that will help. But I always say if I have one herb to choose for a reproductive age woman, that's going to be my herb of choice. What about, um, we've not only got the pill um, and we're talking about, you know, um, our sexual hormones. And I understand we're talking about, I love your analogy of the, the air traffic controllers. I think that is just brilliant with the pituitary gland. But some people are not on the pill and the whole of what they eat maybe and um, what they're exposed to in, and they, all of our listeners will have heard us talk about endocrine disruptors. Is chase tree good for combating those endocrine disruptors or is there something else that we can use? Um, and first of all, can you describe what an endocrine disruptor is and where we find them? And secondly, you know, my, my other question, what, what can we do about them? Well, there are a number, I, I, probably an unlimited number of endocrine disruptors that we could list. I mean, those can be from foods that disrupt the endocrine system to toxic chemicals, environmental exposures, um, you know, birth control pills, medications. The list just goes on and on. And, you know, think of an endocrine disruptor, if we're going to use that air traffic control example, as something that paints a big black streak on the window. So it just prevents the endocrine system from working well as it has to do with that, you know, from an air traffic control perspective. But I would say that in my own clinical experience, the number one, the number one, hands down, number one thing that will disrupt and throw a monkey wrench into the endocrine system as a whole is stress. Mm. And it's not stress like, you know, oh my gosh, I have a company coming over to my house for the holidays. Um, It's not that because that that's temporary. You know, I've got to shop and clean and make my meal plan and figure out what kind of food I'm going to fix to appease all these people that have all these other kind of dietary needs. It's a little stressful for me, but it gets over with. And once the meal is over, it's over. I'm not talking about that kind of stress, but it's, it's people, individuals and and women are, we're really good at this, but we, we tend to live in a stressful situation and we get ourselves in it and it goes on and on and on and on. And it's chronic, unrelenting stress. And that is what will disrupt that endocrine system, I think, more so than any other thing. And I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the US, we are crazy over here crazy. People are crazy. They're crazy on the freeways. We have all these crazy shootings. I mean, we have crazy stuff that goes on over here and their stress level is so high, whether it's a financial, you know, culture or the political culture or, you know, environment, local, family, school, taxes, you know, whatever it is. And stress is, we're never going to get away from it. But what we have to do is help the body be able to adapt to the stress better. Because those adrenal glands are your stress handling glands. 
That's what they do. They help us adapt to stress. But if the stress handling glands become stressed, we got a problem. Because now the very gland that's supposed to help us can't help us. And now we have just big black streaks all over every kind of window. And now nobody can see anything and the whole thing starts getting all messed up. And the sex hormones go south and the thyroid goes south and pancreas is all messed up and blood sugar is all messed up and we're not sleeping. Melatonin isn't right. And we have PMS and we want a divorce. And it's, it just it goes downhill from there. Yeah. So the thing that we have to do, I think, and I don't think it was like this maybe 30, 40 years ago, but today I absolutely believe that stress is the number one reason for our disruption in the endocrine system. And also they're estimating now that stress is responsible, chronic unrelenting stress is responsible for up to 80% of all diseases. That's pretty staggering, pretty staggering. So for me in my clinic, the first thing that I do with every single patient, everyone gets digestive support, period. Because when you're under stress, your digestion can't work. So everyone gets digestive support and I use bitters, herbal bitters. And the second thing that I give them is adrenal or stress handling support. And my favorite herb for that is ashwagandha. Either ashwagandha or eleuthero. But even ginseng is a wonderful, beautiful adaptogenic herb. Uh, but I, I love uh, those three. Rhodiola is another one that I love. But I would say in the U.S., I use more ashwagandha and eleuthero. Those are the two that I use more often. And within just a few weeks, the patient will say, you know, my kids aren't pushing my buttons like they were. Or I don't think I want a divorce anymore. I don't, I'm, I think I can handle this now. I mean, it just takes the, it takes the edge off and your body starts to be able to handle the stress better. Well, when that happens, now all of a sudden you start noticing that your periods aren't so heavy or there's not as much cramping. It's because we're starting to allow that pituitary and those glands to start to talk again. We're getting the black paint off the windows so that the pituitary can direct that traffic again and the glands can begin to respond. Sometimes we have to go in and nourish the gland itself, but that, you know, that's, that's maybe a little bit down the road. But the first thing is support digestion and help the, help the person manage their stress because it's insidious. It's just everywhere. I don't know how it is there, but it's what we deal with here in, in an epic level. I think we're the same, wouldn't you say, Karen? We're just, um, we're probably not as, you know, you probably don't hear the world news um, like we hear in America, but, you know, we have the freeways and it's, it, we don't have as many people, but people are very stressed and they don't cope well. One of um, the people that we've interviewed here in Australia, his name is Dr. Wayne Todd, and he um, wrote the book, The SD Protocol, which is Sympathetic Dominance. And he talks about, um, you know, the kids in the back of the car. He, he's, he's just like you, actually, in that he has these great, uh, you know, analogies. And um, he talks about the kids in the back of the car and they're the mesencephalon and how, you know, there's the hearing and light. And as you become more stressed, you become, uh, everything becomes 
more focused so that you can't stand sounds and you can't stand light and um, you, you know, every, everything starts to get prickly with you. So does ashwagandha um, and the other herbs that you talked about, the ginseng and the rhodiola, and you talked about one other one, what was that other one you, you said? You, you'd have... Eleuthero, E-L-E-U-T-H-R-O. Okay. Eleuthero. Would, would that help with that? sympathetic dominance that we all seem to be in instead of being in the parasympathetic of you know rest and digest with does that help us get there by it being adaptogens yes that's what those adaptogens do is they take the body from you know being always in that go 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 you know where you're just in that it's like your you it's like your gas pedal gets glue, super glued to the floorboard of the car and you end up going 800 miles an hour and you don't and your engine is like your belts are melting and your engine block is melting and the car's like falling apart but you can't get your foot off the gas it gets stuck and so the adaptogens that's that you know where the rpms are way high and you're just like what was crazy the adaptogens start to, uh, you know, pull that gas pedal off. So you don't go, if you go from 800 miles an hour down to 55, I know I'm talking in miles, you guys do kilometers, but you know, if you, if you, if you went so super fast down to the speed limit, that would never work because it would just eject you through the window. So the body's got to take its time to kind of slow down. We have to let the engine cool. We've got to let the car kind of slow down a little bit. We've got to reorient to this slower pace, to a, a more you know, adapted type of a lifestyle. And that's what those adaptogenic herbs do is they help the body <sighs> kind of calm down and get into that parasympathetic state so the car then runs at the speed limit. So if we need to go up, up, up to pass somebody or to get somewhere quick or to make a meal for the holidays or do something you know important a big event we can do that but we're not burning the car out by running it so hard so hot and so fast for so long so that's what these herbs do they're beautiful beautiful herbs and i think i think that every person should be taking at least one of them forever because i don't see this stress issue changing much I just don't see it changing. I mean, we all like to say, oh, I'm going to live a stress-free life this next year. Well, it's probably not going to happen. So I don't see that it changes. So I think I, I take them every day. And if I don't take them, I'm not a very nice person. I mean, I, I, can, I can tell. I get a little more snappy and I kind of get a little more irritable. And I think, oh, dear, where's my ashwagandha? I need it. <laughs> and it, and it just makes such a huge difference. So would you say it's like it's fair to say that on a whole we all need supplementation in some way? Uh, I'd, I, I would really like it if I could say, no, we don't, but that would be a lie. I do think we do for several reasons, but this uh, stress issue being one of them, um, but our soil, at least here in the U.S., you know, we don't, our soil is terrible here. Our food quality is horrible. When I travel to Australia, I get so excited about, I mean, months before I come, I get so excited about being able to eat the food there because you have eggs that are actually, the yolks are orange. 
And that is, a, that is an anomaly. We don't even know what to do with that. What, are, color are the eggs at, what color are the eggs at home? They're light yellow, very light yellow because they have no omega-3s in them. They're all farmed and they're fed poorly and they're given soy and vegetarian feed and who knows what they feed the chickens here. We, don't, we can't find orange like you have them there. Completely different. Wow. I get so excited when I get to go eat food there. So don't move to the U.S. if you ever want to be healthy. I'm just saying. <laughs> And what else I find really interesting in the, in the U.S. is the butter is white. Yes, thank you very much. It's exactly it's, right. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Like I look mm-hmm. at it and I go, because I make my own butter from white cream and I do not add any dyes or anything like that and it is a rich, rich yellow. And and I'm just like going, well, how come? It's, it's so pale. It's almost a cream color. There's no, and I didn't realize that that was the omega-3s that are yeah. missing. Ah. In the eggs, that's, the, that's how you know the difference. It's those nice, wonderful fats, you know, that are in that egg yolk. And so our food, our food supply is very poor here. Well, can you imagine when you're, you know, eating food that you think is good? I mean, I thought I was eating good food and I certainly wasn't. But can you imagine what a stress that is on the body? You know, just at, at that level, the body's trying so hard to repair itself because that's what it always wants to do. So it's trying and trying and trying and trying to repair itself, and it can't because all I'm putting in is crummy food. So it's, it, you know, the stress is not just external. It can be an internal stress as well. And those adaptogenic herbs, oh, they're just magic for that. But yes, to circle back to your statement, I do think that we... I do think, unfortunately, I do think we need to supplement, but I don't think that it's just a multivitamin. I think working with a good practitioner that can, can help kind of craft and tailor something that's very specific for your individual needs is, is important. I mean, that, that's a person that needs to be on your team with you. You know, on your healthcare team, you've got to find someone that you can work with, that you trust, that gets you. You know, they get you, they listen, they hear you, they, they see you, you know, they see you. Um, if otherwise, you're just going to end up with someone who says, here, take this and you'll be fine. Take, an, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. And we don't want that. So there's this managing the body is a big responsibility for, for my, you know, us as patients, but it's also a big responsibility for that, that practitioner. So in Australia, you have wonderful, wonderful naturopaths. So I would say there, find a naturopath that, that it uses a lot of herbs and go with that naturopath. They'll be a good one. I find um, with not all, um, because I know some wonderful naturopaths here in Australia, but I find uh, when the naturopaths first come out, they do use a lot of supplements and rather than looking at diet. And I think that's what I love about you, Rhonda, is that your whole thing is about food, food first, and then looking at what you know. How can we we help support all of the systems? After um, on the Monday at Wise Traditions, after you had spoken, and I think I then listened to Dr. Stephanie Seneff and Zoharkon. I went to Chris Masterjohn, and he did on nutritional deficiencies and um, and any toxicity toxicity that can happen as a result of supplementation and you know I probably did that 30 years ago or 37 years ago at university and I didn't realize that 
many things today our doctors are not looking at in as far as nutritional deficiencies go. They're just looking at the symptom and then treating it with the medication. So, you know, I know the importance of this and, I, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that probably the majority of people that are living on this planet in the Western world have deficiencies in nutrients. They just don't know it because it's on a very slight manner. Um, and, and then they have all these adrenal stresses and they can't cope and they may have anxiety or, uh, you know, any of the, the problems that we're seeing today, including thyroid health and adrenal health. W would you um, say that that's correct in that way, that you look for food first and then go to the herbs and nutrition? I do. And, and I think that, you know, I always say to the patient, look, my job is to work myself out of a job. <laughs> That's my job. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the supplements only like I'm going to use a tow truck. So if I get my car in a ditch, and I mean I'm like way down the embankment. I'm down there and I've rolled over five times. And my car, there is no way I'm going to get this car out of the ditch hmm. by myself. There's no way. I have to have help. So I need a tow truck. Now, I don't have to go to the bank and get a loan for a tow truck and buy a tow truck and own it and park it in my front yard for the rest of my life. I just need to use it to fix the problem. So supplements, some supplements, are, should be used that way to fix the problem. But diet has to be a part of that correction. But sometimes there's so much body damage, literally and figuratively, but there's so much body damage that we need either, you know, concentrated food in the form of a supplement or a very concentrated, strong herb to be able to correct something. But once you're done, you're done. You're done. You don't need those supplements anymore. So I think that's a mistake. A lot of, of naturopaths and other alternative, you know, health coaches or alternative practitioners, they miss that because they'll put the patient on, you know, this regimen or this protocol and there's 15 things that you have to take. And they say, well, you know, you have to just take them. And then the patient doesn't take them because they, they run out of money and they can't afford to take them anymore. Or they just get tired of taking it. And they don't take it and then they don't feel good. Well, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad practitioner right there because it means that they either haven't fixed the, they probably haven't fixed the underlying issue. So there are some that you want to take ongoing. I mean, like, you know, making sure you're getting enough fish oil or, or maybe a probiotic or, you know, a good food based or herbal based multivitamin, something like that. Those, those would be the exceptions. Like I have to floss my teeth. And it's not because the dentist doesn't do a good job. It's because I'm trying to keep my teeth healthy so that I don't lose them. So there's some things you have to do that are maintenance. But I would, I would absolutely say that's true, that we do need to supplement. But we do need to also consider what the underlying issue is and fix that. It's not about the supplements. It's about fixing the issue. And diet fixes so much of that. So you can get all those nutrients from your food, but sometimes the car just is too banged up and you got to use a little bit of supplements like the tow truck to get you to the body shop and get you fixed up. But once you're all fixed up, then you shouldn't need the supplements or not as many. Hmm. Being um, 
where you are right now and looking back to the young Rhonda that you were um, going through university, um, meeting your husband. Let's go back before you met, met your husband. What advice would you have given yourself um, with regards to starting a family, birth control and all of that? What, what's your advice you would give your young self knowing what you know now? I would, boy, that is a loaded question because I was a disaster. Um, but I think a lot of patients are. So if I was going to say to my young self, I would say um, that the most important gift that you can give to not only yourself, but your children is the gift of the, the, the act of self-love to take care of yourself first before thinking about either bringing into the world another little human or even thinking about, you know, conceiving the human that you have to take care of your own human self first. And the only way to do that or the best way to do that is with diet, exercise, good life management, you know, take the time. If you're going to, if you want to conceive and you're going to, you know, push out one of these little humanoids, which that in and of itself is a miracle, then care has to be taken for at least two years prior to mm -hmm. conception. I believe that that periconceptional period should be two years. And I didn't even know what that word was. You know, I was eating donuts and Twinkies and little Debbie cookies, oatmeal cookies with frosting in the middle. I mean, hey, that was, that was the deal. They're good. Let me tell you what, they are good. And that was my diet. I would go days and days and days and days and days and eat nothing but sugar and ice cream. Wow. I mean, I was in bad shape. So my advice to my old self, my young self would be to love yourself enough to care for the body that you've got so that you can bring in a little human into a body that's well-loved and well-cared for. Because that's how you tell that little sweet baby that you can love and care for it by honoring the body that you've got. And so that little one has a nice, wonderful place to grow in. You know, Rhonda, the way that you, the way that you speak, you can hear the deep passion and the deep commitment that you've got to human health and well-being. And just now listening to you around self-love, you know, it's, I, I just, I looked at the definition before when you first said it and it's self-love is the regard for one's own well-being and happiness. And I think what you've explained to us today on the podcast has been very much about how we can use um, our body or how we can, how we can, uh, maximize and optimize the experience of being human through herbs, through self-love, taking care of our own well-being, and then also paying attention to what the body is trying to tell us. And I think one thing that I've certainly gotten out of this today from you is that when I am snappy, and I think this is important for all of our listeners too, when, I, when we're snappy, when we're irritable, when we're feeling a little off-colour, it's not the, the body's natural way of being and something's gone awry. And for us to just dismiss it and think, oh, it'll pass tomorrow, I'll feel better. I think we can actually do better than that. And I think one of the beautiful things about what you've shared with us today is that the, that the herbs and the, 
and the plant life and nature is actually here to support us. Otherwise, these herbs and so on wouldn't exist. So I think what you've, you've really done is opened our eyes to the importance of, one, us paying attention and to be willing to stop paying with pain and instead look for somebody that can be a part of our healthcare team. And I just love that. But to look for somebody that can be part of our healthcare team that can support us with what we need so that then life becomes you know, like a, a party rather than a sufferance. So I think you've, you've really, um, you've really, in, you've really in, in, you encouraged us and captured the necessity for us to look at our bodies and specifically for our younger girls and guys who are looking to bring little people into the world. And, and I think to look at it for two years out, I think that that kind of is a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of us because I don't think anybody looks that far ahead. So I think, you know, if, if, if anybody is listening to this, any mums, um, you know, or younger peeps who are looking to start a family in the future, you know, really use this as a bit of a wake-up call. So, Rhonda, thank you so much for everything that you've provided for us today. If our listeners want to get more from you or research more of what you do, where can they find you? Tell us how they can track you down. Well, my website is Restoration Health dot net just like it sounds restorationhealth.net right now i am not taking any new patients i'm i'm in a season where i'm really focusing on educating practitioners because those practitioners can go out and influence the lives of their own patients and if i can influence you know 3000 practitioners i've influenced 10000 patients so my, my emphasis right now is um, on educating those practitioners and providing that kind of information for them. However, on my website, there are some great, there's podcasts and, you know, information on there. We're always updating and adding to it. And so it's still a good resource for um, patients. They can also send me an email through the website, through our contact, it says contact us. And they can send an email and ask any question and either myself or one of my staff people will get back to them. So we sometimes will refer to practitioners here in the States. And I also have quite a network of practitioners that I know in Australia as well. So I'm happy to be be a referral source um, as well. So yeah, please, you know, your listeners are welcome to come and and check out the site and and see if there's something on there that is helpful for them. Amazing. Amazing. And I think that that's probably where most of our listeners will get the greatest value is to be able to access that um, resource of naturopaths that have been, you know, trained by you. And, and, and I think that makes a massive difference. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. Well, my love, thank you for all of the time that you've given to Cindy and I and our listeners today. We certainly are excited for the next step that our listeners are going to take when it comes to their own health and well-being through today's podcast. So thank you for being a part of it. And I think the girl crush is not just with Cindy. I think it's extent. Mm. <laughs> well, I think I'm you, honoured. I'm honoured. I think, I think you may have added an extra 2.5 million stalkers. <laughs> oh, great. That's what I need. <laughs> run, run now. Run, run, run. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a real treat and such a treat Mm -hmm. to get to know you better. I think you're definitely a, a beautiful fit and totally one of us. So we've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
You're welcome. Thank you, Rhonda. For all of our listeners, we hope you've just loved Rhonda as much as Cindy and I have. It's just been one of those podcasts where I feel like I've just sat mesmerized by almost every word. So if I've been a bit quiet, it's not because I haven't been here. It's because I've been totally taking in everything. And I'm, t- I'm so on the lookout for some ashwagandha, let me tell you, and some Rodalia. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> I feel like you've been a fly on the wall in my house. It's frightening. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for all of our listeners you guys don't just hang don't don't just end this podcast and wait for next week's podcast jump online check out Rhonda's website find a naturopath that you can add to your healthcare team you know both cindy or not both but cindy kim and myself we all have a team of people that we turn to when things go a little bit awry for ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. So make sure that you find your people that can support you with knowledge and information that you don't necessarily have yourself. You know, the kinds of people that you want to be looking for is your naturopath, is your kinesiologist, it is your chiropractor. It is those people who are in the alternative health fields that you trust that totally understand you and know what you go through and know your body as well as you do. So don't stop until you find the right team. And sometimes it can take a little bit of time, but be committed to find people who are going to support you. Go to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and make sure that you post your comments and your questions right there. And if there's anybody that you need a referral to from us, we'll certainly be more than willing to share our teams with you. You can also post your comments and your questions at all the w's.thewellnessguys.com forward slash up for a chat. Or it's the wellness couch. It's the wellness couch.com forward slash up for a chat. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell. I hope I get I hope I get it right in 2018. I really do. We've only done 262 shows, Karen. Yes, job. Mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. I know. I'm just gonna put a big thing on my computer <laughs> reminds me I'm such a peanut. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, you guys have the most amazing week. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're gonna talk to you same time, same station next week right here on Up for a Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you on the ride. All our love. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.